Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Intelligence Download. The Fast and the Furious, we've all seen the blockbuster Hollywood movies. Sometime, life imitates art, and one of the growing trends across the globe, even during the time of a pandemic, is transnational insurance fraud tied to heist of vehicles around the globe. In this episode, Dennis Toomey, our global director for counterfraud and analytics, sits down with Renato Schipani, criminal intelligence officer from Interpol and past president of the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators, to discuss transnational organized crime as it relates to the insurance industry, international trends related to vehicle crimes, and the impact COVID-19 is having from a global perspective. Renato is past president and current director of the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators and is an international thought leader and presenter in this space. Dennis, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay, thanks, Brad. First and foremost, thank you, Renato, for your time today. I really do appreciate it. I know how busy you are, especially in um, during this um, pandemic. So I really appreciate your time. Um, Brad gave you a real quick intro, and thank you for that, Brad. However, for better appreciation of your experience and knowledge, maybe you could give our audience a brief background of yourself. Yeah. So thanks, uh, first of all, for uh, giving me the opportunity to be in this podcast. It's really a privilege for me and for the organization I represent. And um, as for myself, uh, I am an Italian state police officer uh, with 28 years. Um, well, after a brief, uh, let's say, immigration uh, period in the, as a um, in the airport of uh, Roma Fiumicino for three years. Then I moved to the Interpol world, uh, first in the National Central Bureau of Rome, Interpol, Interpol. And then starting 2008, I was appointed as a criminal intelligence officer in the stolen motor vehicle unit at uh, Interpol General Secretariat, uh, which is seated in Lyon, France. So my background uh, is mainly immigration and uh, for now 24 years long vehicle crime at the global level. Wow. I'm really excited to have you as a guest today. And again, thank you so much. Um, before we dive into it, I was wondering, maybe you could uh, give a brief overview of Interpol and the role they play in transnational organized crime, and then maybe a little bit more about your position at Interpol and what you do on a day-to-day basis. So uh, Interpol, when we talk about Interpol, we have to consider that Interpol is the world's largest international police organization. So it is made up of 194 member countries. Practically the whole world is represented at Interpol. Interpol's vision is that of a world where each and every law enforcement professional is able through through the organization to securely communicate, share, and access vital police information whenever and wherever needed. So ensuring the safety as a final goal of the world citizens. We constantly provide and promote innovative and cutting-edge solutions to global challenges in policy and security. Our vision, the vision of Interpol, is to prevent and fight crime through enhanced cooperation and innovation on police and security matters. The, the scope is uh, to facilitate the widest possible mutual assistance between all criminal law enforcement authorities by making sure that police services can communicate securely with each other around the world. So we enable global access to police data, 
and information. We provide operational support on specific, on specific priority crime areas. And we foster continuous improvement in the capacity of police to prevent and fight crime. Serve as a worldwide information hub for law enforcement cooperation. Deliver state-of-art policy capabilities that support member countries to fight and prevent transnational crimes. Lead globally innovative approaches to policing maximize Interpol's role within the global security architecture and consolidate resources and governance structures for enhanced for operational performances. In my daily work, considering that uh, the program strategies of Interpol include the global cybercrime strategy, the global counterterrorism strategy, and the global strategy on organized and emerging crime. My specific role within this last mentioned global strategy on organized and emerging crime, my unit specifically, is englobed in this um, OEC directorate, organized and emerging crime. Within the organized crime unit, stolen motor vehicles plays a role, a very important role. And my daily work uh, uh, is to run a specific projects, even with private sector industries, to fight uh, vehicle crime uh, on a global level. I mean, we could talk about for hours on each one of those um, goals and objectives that you just outlined. So, I, I mean, I really thank you for your service and thank you for Interpol for everything they do in this fight against um, transnational um, crime. So transnational organized crime is something that most people hear about, but really don't fully understand the impact that these criminal organizations have on our society. And the research that I've been doing in this regard talks a lot about these organized crime groups and in the current financial and healthcare crisis that we call COVID-19 has caused. So maybe we can talk about the pandemic from a transnational organized crime perspective. Are you seeing... Um, any changes in these organized crime groups, you know, the patterns and types of fraud, the rules of engagement, things like that? Well, yes, as usual, uh, criminal organized criminal groups are very, very quick to adapt to the situation. And of course, when in many instances there were, of course, a dramatic reduction of criminal activities in other specific sectors, of course, uh, Organized criminal groups uh, exploited or tried to exploit the situation that uh, COVID-19 enhanced. So we have, for instance, a specific increase in um, fake counterfeit uh, masks or material, which was, uh, let's say, fundamental, like masks or uh, sanitizers, uh, gel, or uh, which were targeted even uh, during our Interpol uh, Global Operation Pangea. This is just an example of how criminal groups easily adapt to the situation and exploit um, specific uh, ways to, to get money illicitly. This specific methodology that I just mentioned went through cyber because, of course, many of these uh, materials which were very necessary to um, uh, on this uh, pandemic period were sold on internet. So here comes also the cyber aspect or the cyber enabled aspect of this uh, exploited modality by the criminal organization took advantage of this uh, new situation. For other aspects, it is uh, unfortunately uh, evident now and easy to see that uh, criminal groups are trying to exploit now the uh, financial crisis that uh, has 
severely hit many financial sectors like restaurants, even large agencies or companies that are now in deep financial crisis. And of course, the OCGs are now trying to take advantage of this situation to buy at a very cheap price uh, these activities and uh, obtaining, and by this also the possibilities to, let's say, wash uh, a lot of money laundering, uh, a lot of the illicit gains that they are gained during these last years by uh, buying uh, some of these activities at a very cheap price. But they have a double uh, profit, very cheap buying of uh, good activities and money laundering of money that otherwise they will have difficulty to, to let's say, win. Mm. It makes sense. It opens up an opportunity for um, these groups to do loan sharking and um, offering money and, you know, the protection that they can offer the um, the weak or the people that are affected by this, you know, and that are desperate to keep their businesses running. So that makes a lot of sense on how they're doing it. I can also see that they're moving from the physical world with the closing of the borders and the monitoring of traffic and movement of people. I can see how they would trend, they would change from, you know, the physical world to the cyber world or doing things like you just mentioned, you know, selling counterfeit products online, even if it's on the World Wide Web or the Deep Dark Web. So I think it's a it's a good message to get out to our listeners, you know, to really be aware and, and understand where the products are coming from. And great. So, you know, I work um, specifically in the insurance industry and, and I'm, I'm really curious, you know, we've been looking a lot at um, vehicle related crimes. And I think many of these transnational organized crime groups are involved in one way or another in illegal import and export of vehicles, vehicle thefts with chop shops to sell the parts, etc. So um, maybe can you discuss some of the activity that you're seeing as it relates to those? Yeah, absolutely. No, the, when we come to vehicle-related crimes, really a broad terminology that we need to use because uh, unfortunately it is not just car theft. Unfortunately today when we talk about stolen cars, we have to have very clear in our mind that many for a big percentage of the official statistics that we have, in many, many cases, we don't, we are not facing just car theft, but we are facing fraud. So we are facing the misappropriation, we are facing, um, let's say, um, at least five of a criminal organized groups to uh, exploit the, the, the easiness of getting uh, so uh, of getting the luxury cars even on finance or on rental to get them advantage of the possession of these uh, cars to export them by exploiting the gaps that are in the when it comes to the exportation let's say the procedures mm-hmm. and also gaps in uh, some registration authorities all around the world where um, the knowledge about uh, legislation of uh, importing and exporting cars is not always at the top for many, uh, let's say, public employees, public servants that are dedicated to the registration of stolen cars. So we believe that uh, uh, training uh, people around the world, even in the, on those sectors like the public transport ministries around the world, on how on the, and uh, which are the best procedures to reinforce to let's say give new birth to vehicles which are imported from many different countries around the world or regions around the world is fundamental. 
Unfortunately, the criminal groups exploit very well those gaps. And we are facing um, more and more fraud cases which are related to cars, luxury cars, which are taken on finance and then illegally exported, exploiting the different gap around the supply chain uh, that is uh, around the vehicle, um, vehicle life mm-hmm. cycle. So we can see this also if we relate this to the pandemic again, because the pandemic as a financial crisis, as a collateral damage, will bring that many, many people will have difficulties being able to fulfill the contract that they signed with uh, some financial services, and they will be, let's say, encouraged or attracted by selling or giving away their cars to criminal groups and then commit fraud to the insurance system yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, there are many gaps that um, you find in the import and export of vehicles. And I think it starts from a basic, you know, luxury vehicle that was acquired by someone who was in a different financial position. And now they find themselves upside down and they want to get rid of their card so it doesn't affect their credit. So these organized crime groups, at least from what I'm hearing, is they, you know, they're well known within society and they um, are offered to take your vehicle from you and then they export it out. And then is it true? I'm sure some of the gaps are, you know, with the power that these transnational organized crime groups have, they have you know, the ability to corrupt the officials at customs and you know, bring the vehicles in illegally or have the paperwork altered or forged. Um, it's probably a problem around the world that face that. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, corruption, unfortunately, is one of the issues, especially when it comes to the uh, importation to remote parts of the world, like it can be when the check of cars should be pretty easy and uh, at least suspicious to the eyes of the custom officers when they import the cars, but actually the cars are a pretty easy life to be imported and cleared by the customs authorities by exposing, as you said, this uh, unfortunately, this uh, corruption issues in yeah. different regions of the world. Yeah. Are there any regions that are more vulnerable to this? Oh, I know the United States um, ships a lot of vehicles around the globe, but are there any regions that are, are in the market for these luxury vehicles? No, I would say that this is not um, it's a global challenge. Again, it's not to point the finger on a specific region. Uh, corruption, unfortunately, is a uh, it's a phenomenon that touches uh, even uh, unsuspectable uh, regions yeah. in the world, because uh, where social situation is, uh, or where poverty is, is there, we, we can face it more easily. But uh, no no region in the world is spared by corruption. So oftentimes, there are different forms. Under mm-hmm. different forms, of course, but corruption is a plague. We have to face it, and uh, one of Interpol's uh, role is also having uh, to have an anti-corruption with dedicated units that uh, helps and uh, enhancing a culture of, uh, let's say, credibility and uh, in the public service and uh, in the society.
Yeah, I really, I love that because I think Interpol is making it much harder on the organized crime syndicates or groups to um, do business. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the biggest benefits for these countries that are members of Interpol to take advantage of that and make it as difficult. And I think it's our, our corporate and civil responsibility to do that. So let me, another quick question though. I know these are transnational organized crime groups. They're involved in a lot more. You mentioned a whole bunch of things uh, earlier on in the podcast, uh, but uh, you know, human trafficking, drug trafficking, you name it, these um, groups are involved with it. So how do they how do they use the finances from these vehicle crimes to make sure those other activities are moving forward? Or do they? Do they use these vehicle crimes or is it just a separate type of business that these groups do? Well, as we used to say, vehicle the vehicle is often or if not always the vehicle for other crime it can be financial of course as we did many times and uh, today with the flourishing of many many different types of luxury cars which are really really expensive on the market they creating a business on the luxury cars and selling luxury cars which can then finance other drugs or other criminal more serious criminal activities which is one of the possibilities of course but we have seen and not only today, but even in the past, uh, when uh, where the, the stolen car or the stolen car number of stolen cars has been used as, as a, let's say, uh, a way to exchange other other criminal activities uh, outcomes. So let's say lately, for instance, I with a case in which stolen cars had been used to pay a part of a drug of a drug uh, package. So mm. stolen cars in the past, this was uh, in a time of police tapping, were offered as a part of payment for uh, people smuggling. Mm. Um, so drugs is uh, very much related. We have the clear statistics in the past in which when there was an increase of drugs, there was an increase of uh, stolen cars. Uh, when there was a decrease, it was directly linked to a decrease of uh, stolen cars. So it, there is always a direct link uh, in many, many activities uh, for uh, vehicles used to finance either with uh, their own value, but even just as an exchange with other uh, criminal uh, activities and businesses. Interesting. Interesting. So um, the history of transnational organized crime, have we seen an increase over the past decade or, and if we have, um, is there an increase in specific sectors or types of crimes that we're seeing? Well, uh, yeah, uh, we have seen, of course, uh, terrorist, terrorist activities increasing uh, with different modalities and those that are different. We have new groups in different areas, and we have an expansion of, of drug trafficking in spite of the fact that uh, there were also a lot of successes and, uh, in recent years and with a lot of seizures of uh, big, big quantities of drugs, but still the demand of drug substances has raised all over the world, and this, uh, of course, makes sure that the criminal groups are expanding their power region of influence. So, for instance, now we have West Africa that has become the way by which Latin American cartels are transferring drugs, especially cocaine, to Western Europe and the Middle East. And we have human smuggling everyday basis. We know about the big flow of people that are smuggled illegally, closing uh, difficult uh, situation in the country, like it can be today 
really affluent countries like the war, or by exploiting poorly like the sub-Saharan countries that are coming over Europe by using the Libyan quota in Italy and the southern countries of Europe are affected by the people's party. Then we have weapons trafficking, intellectual property theft, cybercrime. These are all kind of crimes that uh, in this last year have considerably raising their possibility of illegal, illegal profit for organized crime. Do you think that um, the dark and deep web is a vehicle for these or a mechanism for these organized crime groups to peddle their goods or services to um, other regions with, around the world? Have, you, have they been doing increase in that activity? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because this is a pervasive criminal activity in this cyberspace and it uh, doesn't only affect uh, the victims, but uh, it's, uh, let's say, put in danger to businesses and also the, let's say, the face of the digital system itself uh, by affecting also society and the uh, economy generally speaking. So computers and internet are very, very important in the criminal transnational uh, uh, and nowadays. Mm. And uh, it's one of the big challenges that today law enforcement around the world has, and this is also why Interpol, a few years ago, uh, established its uh, global center, innovation global center in Singapore, where its main activity is exactly to fight uh, cybercrime. Amazing. It's really, um, it's great to see the role that Interpol plays across the globe it's just you know i think if it wasn't for interpol it would be almost a free reign for many of these organized crimes so again you know i applaud everything that you do i thank you for all your services and everything that interpol does from a public awareness to the actual prosecution and um, of these um, types of activities just a, a quick question though um can if as a private citizen, is there a way that someone, if they if they are aware of um, some type of organized crime activity, or or is there a place that they can provide tips on fugitives or um, to Interpol or even in the United States, Interpol Washington? So yeah, we always encourage people to always contact your local police. Okay. Citizen who has any information should contact local police. Even if the crime you wish to report is international in nature, you should still approach your local police uh, because uh, investigation and arrests are always carried out by national and local police force. So what Interpol does is to deal mostly with information provided by police, not the public. So we advise to, if you have information, if a citizen has an information, private citizen, we advise to, if you are a victim of a crime that you think comes from another country, if you have information about a crime that has been committed or is being planned, or if you wish to report a missing person you think may be in another country still, we advise to go to the local police and then the local police through the National Central Bureau, which is established in, in each single of the 194 member countries in the world, can communicate with the third country which is interested and uh, try to assist and uh, solve the case. We have also possibilities to find uh, fugitives uh, because wanted persons often travel to another country or try uh, to evade justice, of course, by escaping uh, abroad. So when requested by a member country, we can publish a red notice to alert police worldwide to a wanted fugitive. So this is a public, uh, whenever requested by a country, we can make it even public. 
So also missing person can also be traveling abroad, either voluntarily or involuntarily, such as in a parental abduction of a child. And here, Interpol can publish a yellow, so-called yellow notice for a missing person. So these notices are global alerts, which uh, Interpol sends to all member countries. Most notices are for police use only, but some of them are published on, uh, on Interpol website, on public website, so, so the public can help police to find people concerned. So if a private citizen has information on anyone on a red or yellow notice on Interpol website, uh, he can either contact the local police in uh, the country of uh, residence, who then gets in touch with Interpol, or contact directly us via the link which is uh, on each notice, either red or yellow. That's good stuff. So I know we have, you know, we're running up against the time, and I think um, well, we had about two minutes left. So just one last question, just um, to, as a follow-up to the introductory here. You mentioned that the, the counterfeit masks and other uh, related stuff to COVID-19. Are you seeing this in any specific area, or what areas are you seeing this counterfeit activity or COVID-19 stuff happening the most? Yeah, yeah. At the country, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Is there a country, or is it is it um, global? No, no. It is global. It is global, of course. Yeah. Of course, uh, wherever the criminal organized group is more developed and more, let's say, able to adapt easily to other forms of crime, and then the easiest is to find uh, this possibility. When I was talking about money laundering, of course, mafia type criminal groups are very, very now attracted by this uh, situation, this current situation, to exploit uh, what the COVID-19 absolutely brought along. And so, and this is global, I would say. Italian criminal groups will do this uh, not only in Italy, because the money laundering of this group are worldwide, and the same will be, let's say, performed by other mafia type. Uh, criminal groups around the world. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate your time. Is is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, it's okay for me. I hope that uh, I gave, uh, let's say, answers to the to the podcast, which can be useful for the public and uh, to especially to, to learn more about uh, what Interpol can offer and what it's about, because many times. <laughs> It is not really, let's say, a movie-like uh, organization, but it's more related to really uh, assist law enforcement around the world to better, uh, let's say, develop and carry out their daily activities around the world. So we are there to help, assist, and enhance the uh, skills and capabilities of police law enforcement around the world. This is our main goal, and we are trying to do this uh, every day better and better. And you're doing a heck of a job. I can tell you that right now. The assistance to the law enforcement agencies around the globe. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Intelligence Download. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, Podbean, Apple, Google. And uh, for the latest in insurance insights, be sure to visit our website at BA Systems Applied Intelligence. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank <music> you.